continuing our circle series. This is the last week of the circle series. And I think it's kind of entertaining that God keeps telling me circles. Like two weeks ago, we talked about how God gives you a new circle. So you go from one circle to another circle. And then last week, I told you we had to talk about three circles. You guys remember what the third, three circles were last week? Come on, talk to me, people. The first circle was Israel, right? The second circle was the people in the walls of Jericho. And the final circle was a woman who was known for the nightlife. Rahab, Rahab there we go. Hey, we got some, some interactions going this morning. But the fact is, the circles matter. Because what God is trying to ask you to understand is that he got you through a point where he gave you a new circle. But we still have the choices that go through the circles. And this week, I'll be honest, I told Brother Jack on Monday, I knew already knew what I was going to preach on. I told my wife this week, I got to preach on circles again. And I said, you're not going to believe the number of circles I got to preach on. And she said, what, four? I said, no, not four. She said, five? I said, no. I said, 13. And she says, what in the world are you going to speak about 13 circles about? And I said, I don't know. The Lord has been messing me up. He's been straightening me all over the place, getting me all out of whack trying to figure out where he wants to go. But when he highlighted it in my spirit, I knew instantly that there was going to be an impact for someone this morning. Because 13 is such a weird number. I mean, when you think about it, what do you, when you hear the number 13, what do you think? Age? Okay, I like that. Man, I wish I was 13 again. No, I really don't. <laughs> I remember how awkward it was, Brother Chip, when I was 13. I think my voice octave went from high to high. And all the crack in between of it, and then, yeah, we're not going to go into the whole, no, 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 I got to stop. All right, what else do you think about with the number 13? Because we don't want to think about age. Anybody? An unlucky number, okay. Say that again, Brother Steve Becker. Your baseball number. Man, you were lucky number 13, weren't you? I, you know what? I'll be honest. I thought of Friday the 13th. You know, the Halloween movies that everybody wants to go see where the guy goes and stabs people? What? I'm not allowed to talk about Halloween in the, in the pulpit here? We live in a world. I have to live part of the world, but I'm not into it. I'm set apart from it, but I'm in it. You were married on Friday the 13th. I am so not happy for your anniversary date. <laughs> That would give me some nightmares sometimes. Your birthday is 2-13, so you were born almost on a Friday the 13th? What? 9-13. Oh, so 13 is special for some, and 13 is special for others, and 13 is a horror story for others. But, no, I think it's just an interesting idea to think that the number 13 can elicit so many different things. But when you get back into it and you start looking through the theological idea of what the number 13 means, Brother Steve, you were pretty close to it. But the number 13 is symbolic of rebellion. 
lawlessness and disobedience. I mean, if you really want to get down to it, they, 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 these guys who are smarter than me, know more than me, spend way too much time really thinking about the number 13 and how it falls into this. They were like, okay, well, the number 13 is bad because Nimrod was from the 13th generation of the descendant of Ham. Not the pig. Ham, the son of Noah. And if you know anything about Nimrod, it's not the story that you hear from uh, Looney Tunes that you would calculate in your mind. Because you want to know something funny? I used to call people Nimrods all the time. And when you look at it, Nimrod was like, a, oh, you're just so stupid. Because Bugs Bunny was always looking at Elmer Fudd going, you're a Nimrod. And he stuck his finger in the gun. Don't try that either. But Nimrod actually meant great and mighty hunter. And that great and mighty hunter in the 13th generation started a rebellion that allowed a nation to be formed through him of Babylon. And if you ever get into the text about the Bible, you know that Babylon was a nasty nation that served a lot of bad, wicked gods, and they were the ones that God used to cast judgment because of their badness. Another th reason why the 13th is the unlucky number? Because in all of the Bible, there is at least 13 famines recorded within the whole text from cover to cover. So 13, I'm sorry, is not the greatest number in the Bible. So when God looked at me and said, you need to preach on 13 circles, I was like, God, what are you trying to get me to get at? And he says, there's a truth in all of it that somebody needs to hear this morning. Because somebody thinks they're having an unlucky day. Somebody's thinking that they're having a no good, no good, nothing, horrible, rotten, full, weak, and, and, and they don't realize that there's something that's got to change. They're thinking that something's got to be so much different because it can't be all messed up. But let me tell you, God's got a purpose and a plan for every situation. If it was not so, why do you think Jesus came on the cross? And I think somebody needs to hear this message today, that they're thinking that their life is all out of whack. But God is trying to get you back on track. Try to get you back on track to get you where you think that you don't have to live between an unlucky number and a luck of the Irish kind of day. You know... St. Patty's Day was Friday, right? You thought you were lucky, didn't you, if you were Irish? Turns out I'm 10% Irish, so I'm a little lucky. 35% Scottish, so good luck with that one, too. The only reason why I know this, Sister Phyllis, is I did a DNA test. But God is trying to get you back on track. And so if you have your Bible with you this morning, who's got your Bible this morning? Let me see it. Who's got your phone Bible? There we go. Let's, we, we, electronic screens have still got the word in it, right? So it's got it. If you don't, we're going to put it up on the screen too. We're going to go to Joshua chapter 6. I'll get it. Oh, he's already got it. Look at this. Thank you, sir. You're doing an awesome job. And it says, Now Jericho was shut up inside and out because of the people of Israel. None of them went out and none of them came in. Next slide. 
And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hands with its king and its mighty men of valor. We read that last week, but keep going. You shall march around the city, all of the men of war, going around the city once. This you shall do for six days. Next. Seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's uh, horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. Get it? Six plus seven. And the priests shall blow their trumpets. And when they make a loud or long blast with the ram's horn, and when you have heard the sound of the trumpets, then all the people shall shout with a great shout. Can I hear a great shout really quick this morning? Come on, give me a shout. We've got to get some practice going here this morning. And when the wall of the city will or, and the wall of the city will fall flat, and the people shall go up every straight or everyone straight before him. You see, that's a great story. There's a great historical evidence that we have found in the historical uh, research that, of the archaeologists that have went through and actually they have found the city of Jericho. They have looked and studied the walls before Ahab actually rebuilt the city. They went back and they found the original outline of the walls and they said well the walls were probably about 12 feet tall there was a good depth of them and they were probably about nine feet wide the whole entire circumference of the city was about 1.5 to 2 miles and they said we know it's true that the bible story happened and it looks like the walls fell over so we know that that is true but what we have to really understand and grapple with is that there is a truth in this story that somebody needs to understand. Can you put up the point number one, just statement? And that is the truth that God does not need you at all. But God wants you. You know... That statement right there really messes me up way too much. But I have to say it so often to so many Christians, it seems like nowadays, especially in the American church. Last week, I kind of talked to you about how it looks sometimes where you're sitting in the seat and you're just like, oh, you need to give me the messages that I need. But the truth is we keep going to God expecting him to need us. And what God is trying to get you to understand, he does not need you. I don't know. You all look at me pretty dead faced like, okay, God doesn't need me. No! But God wants you. Can I tell you there's a difference between a want and need? There's a lot of things that I need in this world. I need food. I need water. I need shelter. And I need sleep. Lord knows I got five daughters. I definitely need sleep. But there are things in this world that I want. I don't need a car. I want the car because the car makes me get to places faster. It's a blessing. It's a truth. It's, a, it's something that I can hold on to. I don't need, what is it, a computer. 
It makes my life a lot easier because I can do my research. But I still have the Bible in, in paper form that I can go and do my research on my sermons. I don't need the computer. But I want the computer because it makes my life a little easier. You see, what I'm trying to get at is God doesn't need you. He wants you because he wants you for a particular purpose. And that purpose is something that we struggle with because we get in the highfalutin idea that we are more valuable than what we really are. And I don't understand it. We think that we have more value because we have the voice in our lungs and we can scream at the top of it and make a point and get people to make it or look at us with an attention. But there's a got to be an aspect in your life where you realize that in the end game, it's not about one point. So then I have to go back and ask, God, you made us for a reason. You wanted us for a particular purpose. You walk with us because you love us. You want to show us your goodness and your mercies. But yet... We keep getting all messed up. And then I remember in the book of Genesis where the serpent's talking to Eve and he's like, hey, if you go eat from that tree over there, you surely won't die. You'll just know what God knows. You'll be just like God. You'll be worthy of all the praise and all the glory. And that's where we have to get ourselves back on track. Because truly... What we have to understand is, like what Acts 17.25 really, really states, nor is, human served by, or, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives all, uh, to all mankind life and breath and everything. You have to really understand, everything that we have is his. We're made from dust, it's his. We got water in us. It's his. We have his breath in our lungs. It's his. And if he's got the purpose within us, then why are we walking around in this sense of a rebellion and a disobedience and in this nature where God is trying to get us to become aware that we need to go into a sense of repentance? And we ask him, God, Align me with who I need to be. Align me with what you need me to be. And let me truly see like what you say in your scriptures where I bring no charges against you concerning the sacrifices or concerning the burnt offerings which are before me. Where we start asking him to show us even greater. And where he says, I will accept a bowl from your house, or I will not accept a bowl from your house or from your folds or every beast of the forest in mine, that the cattle of a thousand hills, because they're already his. I know all the birds of the hills, and, I, and all the moves in the field are mine. And if I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world and its fullnesses are mine, and I do not eat or drink the bull's blood or the goat's blood. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and a performance or and perform your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall or and I shall glorify you or you shall glorify me. I should rephrase those words. 
the truth is, I don't want to beat anybody up. I got to preach what God tells me to preach. And the truth is, that the story that we're trying to get through is the story where we struggle in a rebellion stance. Every day we wake up with the choices. Whom am I going to serve today? Am I going to get up and am I going to serve this flesh? Or am I going to get up and am I going to say, God, God, I trust you with everything I have. You get it all. God, I trust you with every steps that I have. You get it all. God, I want to glorify you and give you the praise of thanksgiving. And I want to perform everything that you've asked me to do. But I'm sorry, the church has been struggling way too long and I truly see it in the world. Because what I keep seeing in the world is the same thing that Jericho was being. A complete, disrespectful, disobedient bunch of grubbies. They thought they could wall themselves up in a city and protect them from their ideology or ideology and keep God out. They want to keep God out of schools. They want to kick God out of the government. They want to kick God out of every choice that we make. They want to kick God out of everything that we do. And they want to try to say separation. But I'm sorry, as a Christian, I cannot separate my God from any decision that I make. And that's where we have to truly get into the aspect of every bit of our hope. Because what God wants to do is to get you to aware of the fact that He doesn't need you. But He wants you for a particular purpose. He sets you right here into these seats to hear this message this morning. He sets you with the lung or the breath in your lungs this morning so that you could do one thing and one thing only really today, and that is to exalt his name on high, to shout with glory because he's worthy. There's a reason why we sing songs at the beginning of the worship service. It's to give Him glory. There's a reason why prayer keeps happening throughout the worship service. It's because we want to give Him glory. It's not about us any longer. It's not about our selfish ideas of how things should go. I'm sorry, I have an order of service I set up, and on the very end of it, it always says, everything is subject to change according to the Holy Spirit. Because I can plan it out. But Brother Jim, I want Him to get the glory. If I ever didn't take this microphone on a worship service, so be it. I'd give the message another time. But if he wants to move, let us get out of the way and let him show us what he wants us to do. Because the truth is, we need to really grasp the concepts that God will use you to be a part of his work. But he is the one that will defeat all of our enemies. You see, I've met way too many people that tell you basically, move, I'm going to go fight my own battles. I got it all. I can do all things through my who strengthen I. They think that they could do it all. But let me say one thing and one thing only. It's not yours to fight. There's a reason why people look at Christians and say, man, they're weird. They don't do like I think they should do. 
What is going on with them? Why are they so weird? Why do they turn the other cheek? Because the word says so. Why don't they come back and cuss me out after I cuss them out? Because we hold our tongue. Because the word says so. Why don't they do this or that? Because the word says not to. Because we have learned as our Christian walk that if God wants to use us to be part of his work, we have to trust that he's the one that will finish the work. I can do all things through who? Christ. Who? Thank you. Not about I. Not about what I can do. It's about what he does. And so I find it interesting that when God says to preach about 13 circles this morning, and he tells me to go to the book of Joshua, and he says, I want you to talk about the walls of Jericho, and if we look at the text, what we find is there is a real truth being exposed. There's a rebellion going on in the city. But there could be a rebellion going on outside of it. Because what they were told to do is a really crazy thing to do. Like I said, the walls of Jericho were 1.5 to 2 miles in circumference. That's all the way around. You want to know how many people marched around the city that were fighting age men? Over 40,000. If you were to do the math and try to put two people or two feet in between each soldier that was going to go around the city, you know how many people it would take to circumference the whole city? I did the math, so you can give me a guess. Come on. 10, 12. I'm joking, Chip. <laughs> 10 or 12. Man, we could do a whole lot with 10 or 12. It says 8,000 people with two feet in between could encompass the city. 8,000 people could have covered the whole city, made the people so filled and trapped. But God sent 40,000, but he didn't tell them to stand around the city. You see, we serve a great God. We serve an awesome God who has got might and power in his hands that we don't even understand. And when he commands us to do some crazy stuff, what he's asking us to do is to trust him with the outcome. And what he's trying to get you to realize is there are some battles that might look like they, you should fight them. But what he's telling you to do is start walking around. Man, i got to go walk around this city. Oh, man, this has got to be a bunch of... What? This makes no sense to go walking around the city. Why do I got to... Ah, this is stupid. But he says, no, I don't want you to go around the city grumbling. Day one, I can finally speak because God said to be quiet. Let me tell you, God's got a purpose in everything. I have seen God do some miraculous things, doing some really absurd things. One time God told me to go pray for somebody I didn't know and tell them that, that they had this issue going on. And I'm like, God, I don't know who that is. And Lord knows if I get over there, God, uh, um, they're going to think I'm crazy. And he says, I don't care. I want you to go do that. No! 
finally I did go do it. I got a hug. I got snot down my nose because the person was so, so like, what is going on? God is so awesome. And kind of a mentality because God was just an on-time God with an on-time word. An on-time purpose. You see, what I'm trying to get you to understand is that God wants you to be part of his plan. He wants you every bit of who you are to be part of the plan. He wants to change you, though, through that plan to make you more like his son. But that comes through your obedience. You see, what God is trying to really get you to understand is that he's going to have the outcome whether he likes it or whether you like it or not. If you won't answer the call, he'll find someone else to do it. It's not about what you do. He wants to use you. Could you imagine David going up to Goliath, going, Goliath, you look so big. I'm so short. I'm going to go home. You stay there. My God says I could defeat you, but I don't trust who I am. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine David doing that and reading about that story in the Bible? No! Because when we read the story, what we really see is the truth of what we got to hold on to. Where David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin? I'm sorry, that little boy has my heart because he's a little bit more bold and eccentric than I am sometimes. He's going up to a guy that's probably a good five feet taller than he is at that age. And he's going, you come at me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin? Oh, but I am the, or, but I, no, or, but... I did not get that right. But I come against you in the name of the Lord, the Almighty God, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day, he's looking at Goliath going, this day. You don't realize it. This day, Goliath, you thought you had the battle won. But I know something you don't. That's what he's looking at. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut your head off. It didn't say that I will defeat you. It says that the Lord will win the battle. The Lord will win the battle. I'm sorry, what a lot of our choices get is a lot of bad outcomes. Because we've been living our life in disobedience. We don't listen to our superiors. We don't listen to the, 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 the Lord as he's speaking to us. It gets us into places that we shouldn't go. But what I keep getting told by God to tell somebody this morning, and Amy, I love how you picked the song this morning that says, I surrender all. Is that we're supposed to live our life surrendered. What does that look like, though? Does that look like defeat? No. You know, I wake up every morning and I say, Lord, it's your day. Use me. It's your day. Have me do whatever. He told me to go pray around a Taco Bell one time, seven times. I did it one time, seven times. 
They looked at me funny. I was like, why are you coming around getting a taco seven times? I don't know. I just need a taco. They don't know I'm praying for them. I don't know what I'm covering in prayer for. Lord knows I need to pray for that other Taco Bell, but we'll say that a later day. That's an inside joke there. But a lot of Christians today, we struggle. A lot of times we struggle because we don't understand one key point. We think that we're right when we're wrong. We think that we're good when we're bad. We think that we can hold on to everything when we have no strength within us. But what God is really trying to get us to understand when we really look at the story of Jericho, when we really put our focus on what he's truly trying to enlighten our hearts and our minds to, is that surrender is not defeat. Surrender is just admitting you don't have it all. Surrender is just not putting up the white flag saying, I surrender. No, it's, it's finally saying, God, I understand the proper placement of who I am and where I need to be. God, I need you to make me right. I need you to do it. So when God is looking at the church right now and our world today, and he's saying you have been way too quiet right now for too long because you have been sitting in your seats. You have not been doing what I've been asking you to do. You have been thinking that you are right because you're walking in the religious ideas that you grew up with. But it's time for the church to do something new. It's time for us to realize that the 13 circles, we always keep thinking it's always on the world. But guess what? So often the 13 circles that God's trying to call out is the circles he's trying to get us out of our own lives. And the only time we can ever really get it out of our own lives is if we say, yes, Lord, I'll take the first step. Yes, Lord, I'll walk around the city. Yes, Lord, I'll do what you've asked me to do. But he doesn't just leave us there. He doesn't just leave you in a place where you're walking around aimlessly, going around doing not knowing what you're going to do. Because what God is really trying to get us to really become self-aware to is that God is still in the business of using us, but only if we are empowered by his Holy Spirit. See, the struggle we keep encountering, the reason we keep repeating and the messes that we are is because we're not allowing who God is to fully engulf us. As a Pentecostal church, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe that, that, that he's the one that comes down when, when it's time and he wants to give us the fruits that give us the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the gentleness, the meekness, the goodness, the kindness, and the self-controls. But he also gives us these gifts that empower us to do the work that God has set before us. And then we also believe that he gives us the ability to speak in a heavenly language that the enemy does not know so he cannot decipher what God is about to do. But somebody's got to understand. We got way too many Christians that are not empowered by the Spirit anymore. 
That's just an Old Testament kind of thing. That he only moved a little bit there. That's only an Acts chapter 2 kind of thing. When the apostles died, the Holy Spirit doesn't do it anymore. I'm, I'm sorry. I think it's time for us to start shouting a little bit more, saying, God, I need your spirit right here, right now, in me to fill me up. I need his spirit every single day. Holy Spirit, come down and strengthen me. Holy Spirit, hold me back when my tongue wants to go all off on that person that cut me off on the road. Holy Spirit, give me the words to speak when they're hurting and they're on their deathbed. Holy Spirit, give me the strength to tell somebody who's had the rough day that God loves them and He's calling something good into their life if they would just stop looking to their own hands. And start looking to His. You see, what God is trying to get us to understand is that we're stuck in a 13-circle cycle. We keep getting back into it. But what He's trying to get you to realize is that 13 times isn't about the people they circled. It's about the ones that are walking the journey. It's time to be quiet for a little bit. And start going, God, in your own little inside voice. Touch me this moment. Lead me. Give me time to process what you're trying to do. They hurt me over here, but let me be quiet, Lord, and give me the answers to speak. Give me the options to work through. Give me the hand to trust you. God, I don't want to be rebellious anymore. I don't want to go back into the wilderness days where I watched my mom and dad's habits get rubbed off on me. God, I don't want to go back to those places where we were stuck in chains and, and we were stuck doing labors that we didn't like to do because you weren't with us at that time. And we kept praying, Lord, Lord, just touch us. Let me walk around the city of your promises. You're calling me forward into your ministries, into your truths and into your lives, Lord, that I might not sin against you, God. Every single day we wake up, we got to start doing those kind of prayers. Start circling things. I know everybody always likes to talk about Jericho. You've got to circle that thing in prayer and trust God. It's true. But it's time to put the understanding that the perspective of where you're at is the thing you also got to circle in prayer. Because God wants to change you. God wants to use you. God wants to empower you to do the more awesome works that he's got in store. But it comes through your obedience. And letting his spirit come down. Letting his spirit truly fill you up. And empower you to do the works. Because only if we allow him to do it. Can he truly do something within us. You see scripture tells us. That when we're not walking toward him. Our heart's like a stone. It's not got life in it. People can see it. It's dead as could be. But the second he puts a spirit in us, it says that he gives us a heart of flesh, one that's got compassion and an ability. It's the one that gives the life that we have within us. It's the one that allows us to walk according to his laws to keep them, to walk according to his decrees. You see, what God is trying to get us to understand is that our wilderness lives are no longer what we're called to live. 
but it's time to break the circle. It's time to break the issues and the struggles that you've been dealing with. And it's time to quit looking at yourself and start looking to the one who makes a way where there was no way. It's time to trust God wholeheartedly with the battles that he's already got in hand. He gave Goliath over to David when it never should have happened. A boy with a sling and a stone over a guy with a javelin, a spear, and a sword. He gave David life, or Daniel life, when he was stuck in a pit of lions. He trusted Noah to build an ark to give salvation and a hope for humanity when the world was so wicked. What's he doing for you? What's he setting up in your heart and your mind as he's trying to get you to get aware of where you're at? What is it that you got to turn away from to break? If you'll stand with me this morning. I know some of you are struggling. I know some of you that are hearing these, this message are like, okay, I get you, but where do I go from here? Here it is. Surrender. Surrender it to him. Quit trying to make a mess of what you're trying to do with your decisions and trust him with the battle. He'll make a way where there is no way but it only comes through the understanding that it's not about where you think you should go, but where he wants to lead you. It's trusting him. Because I need you to understand that God loves you. Otherwise, he'd never send Jesus. God loves you. Otherwise, he would never have let Noah build the ark. God loves you right now more than you'd ever understand. But what he's trying to get you to really understand, the complete truth, is that he wants you to love him too. But what does love look like? Love looks like a conversation. Both ways. Love looks like a marriage. That's why he kept going back to the bride and the bridegroom. He wants you to have that relationship with him, but you've got to surrender to him first. A healthy marriage can never stand if everybody thinks they're right. There's only one truth, and you got to find it. And he is the one truth, because he's the one that spoke it all into motion. It's time to surrender to him. It's time to give it all to him. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. I know there's a lot of different decisions and a lot of different ways to go around this. But have you been struggling this morning to find your peace, and you do not know him as your Lord and Savior, and you want to make him your Lord and Savior, and you want to surrender it to him? Just shoot your hand up this morning, because we're going to say a prayer this morning. I see one hand, two hands. Any other hands? Anybody else? Right now, those two hands are a powerful message that you need to realize. That God loves you, but this prayer that we're going to say with you real quick means nothing if it's not truly heartfelt and not truly something you want to act on. It's just vain words. So if you truly want to say that prayer, let's just all say it with them. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Restore me. Make me new.
Give me my future and hope. And direct my path. Because today, Lord, I declare with my mouth and believe with my heart that Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins. You rose from the dead to bring me to new life and to give me my future and hope. So today, I declare you're my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we get a shout for that this morning? I want to say another prayer, though, this morning, though. Have you been struggling? You know he's your Lord and Savior, but you've been going back and forth with where you're at. It's time to open up and really ask him to get back control of your life. It's time to surrender it to him. If that's you this morning, come down to the altar this morning. We're going to pray with you. I don't want you to sit back in your comfy seats. I want you to get into a place where you submit to him. If that's you this morning, will you come forward? Is there anybody? See, okay. Brother uh, Kenny, come down here. Brother Jack, come on down. Brother Mike, come down here this morning. Come down and pray with these people with me this morning. Father God, Lord, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for the hands that were raised, Lord, and the victory that they can have, Lord, as they walk according to your will and purpose. I thank you for the ones that need to have you redirect their steps, Lord, and give them the clear, decisive direction, Lord, this morning that they've been going through. 
Lord, make straight the path, Lord, of those that are walking. Make straight the path of all of us, Lord, this morning as we walk, Lord. Let us not get discouraged. Let us not fall into the traps of what the enemy wants to do. But Lord, awaken us, Lord, to break the patterns and the circles that would try to ensnare us, God. Let us always revisit you every day, God, as a full surrender to you, Lord. Getting rid of this rebellion, Lord. And let us see your hands and your work go through, Lord, as you set the captives free. Holy Spirit, I ask that you just touch us, Lord, this day. Touch us, Lord, in this place. Touch each and every one of us as we go home. Touch us as we're bold enough to, to send a text message, Lord, of encouragement. Touch us, Lord, as we send a phone call and we just say, The Lord laid this on my heart this morning. Touch us as we just love somebody that needs the love. But God, touch us and empower us to be bold, faithful, and courageous, God. Because we need you, Jesus. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you, Heavenly Father, to be all in on our lives. And we give it all to you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Church, I love you all. I look forward to seeing you when it warms up. Go and love your neighbor as yourself after you love the Lord God with all your heart.